You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Ray Lucier, is best known as the drummer in the band Korn for the last 14 years, but he has played with many other amazing musicians as well. He is a former teacher at Musicians Institute as well as a session musician. I'm going to talk to Ray about all of these things as well as how it feels to be back out on the road with Korn right now after the quarantine and what he is up to in all areas of life. So come along with me as I catch up with Ray Lucier. Ray, welcome to the podcast. What's up? <laughs> how are you doing? I'm fantastic. We're back on the road. It feels, I can't even explain that as, as a whole new appreciation and admiration for what I do. Cause it's like 16 months off now. It's like, I mean, I've been of course working and I have a studio in my house. I've been doing a lot of drum tracks and things, but man, I'll tell you what, we did those festivals last weekend and now we're on our 32 show summer tour with Stain. At that when it was kind of surreal, like I'm, I'm up on stage and Chevelle was on right before us and Monkey and I, you know, my bandmate are standing on stage and he looked at me and goes, why is this so freaking weird? And I go, because I'm looking at everyone's smiling faces again. They're like, they're like rocking out. I'm like this. Oh, this this is what we do. This is yes. and I was looking at the lights and I'm, I'm hearing the sound I'm like, why is it such a weird because they took this away from us. Mm-hmm. And that was like, how dare you? How how could you take this feeling, this um, you know, this emotion away from what we do, our livelihood? Those people were just having the best time, just like, oh, yeah, you know. And so I think when we hit the deck and the curtain dropped, I was just like, are you kidding? <laughs> you know. So it's a whole new level of appreciation right now, you know. I can I can absolutely imagine that. And um, for anyone who is listening, Ray is out with corn right now. And how many shows have you had so far? This is uh, number last night was number three in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia. And we started in West Palm and went to Tampa. And now I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. And That's we have amazing. a day off, let my blisters heal a little bit. Got, got yeah. some, <laughs> getting back at it's like getting your sea legs back on the bus. Cause I'm doing this last night in my bunk, you know, and then, you know picking up sticks and trying to, cause when I play in my studio, I'm about 50, 60% of what I do with corn. You know, you're laying back, you're trying to focus on the groove, what the parts you're playing. I'm not hitting like an idiot, like I do with corn, you know? So, and plus I'm my, my big corn kid. I have a lot more real estate to cover. You know, it's, it's the yes. kind of the wow factor on my corn kit compared to my studio kit. So, Yes. You know, getting everything, get, brushing off the cobwebs, you know, getting your, the gears yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Getting everything back to like playing yeah. that at that level, you know, but, and you just, you said the wow factor, your kit, I've seen pictures of it and it's, it's like monstrous. <laughs> like That's the yeah. only way I can describe it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Cause I keep telling Jonathan, this, you know, our singer's a drummer and he's actually really good. He's, he doesn't play anymore, but every time he sits on my kit, he comes up with these cool, like linear patterns. And you're just like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. He just had, he's one of those guys that picks up a flute. He can play a flute. He picks a guitar. He's one of those guys, you know, That's wow. why he plays bagpipes on our stage, you know, mm -hmm. uh, big attraction for the show. But he's, he sat on my kit when I first joined this band in 07. And I had two up and two down, you know, two floors, two racks and, few crashes. I have a China, like kind of my signature thing in the center. I got a, you know, an ozone over my right. I have the typical things, a splash over my hi-hat. And he's like, man, you need one of those like big gong drums. And I'm like, yeah, I've never used one of those before, but I'm all about it. You know, I got a gong drum, you know, he's like, Hey man, you ever see those like spiral symbols are really cool. They have like a, they're like they're, I go, yeah, I don't know if Sabian makes those. I'll call them up and Sabian. <laughs> Next thing you know, I got two spiral symbols behind me. And he's like, you need some of those like Bozio, like, you know, those things you put two symbols together. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll put some, you know, radias over a 15 inch bottom hi-hat and I'll put it. And next thing you know, I get a bell and he's like, it just kept going. Blah, 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 blah. And I got this, this monstrous thing. I mean, I could literally play the corn set on a 
Dave Grohl one up, one down kit easily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's now there's so many colors and nuances and there's there's a lot of dynamics in corn. It's not just a hard rock metal band. You know, people mm -hmm. always say like, you're new metal, you're this. I'm like, it's just corn. You know, we have funky grooves. There's super heavy section. There's it's very intense. It's it's very emotional. So I just my kit complements. I think the colors of the band. You know, so a lot of people are like, ah, that's, you're out of control. It's too much. And well, that's cool. But there's a lot of people in the audience that aren't drummers that are like, what's that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting. I, I love it. I think it, it just fits, definitely fits with the show. Um, you know, and the more colors, the better. I, I think it's great. If you're on stage playing at that level, you might as well have like, you know, yeah. this fantastic kit to play. What's funny it. is my old tech, uh, Abel Catfish, one of my best friends, he uh, he says um, to me, if you don't use it, if you're not hitting it, if I go, mm -hmm. one show goes by and you don't hit something on this kit, it goes away. So it's kind of funny. Like there was a bell sitting there and I went to hit it one night and I go, what'd you do with that? He goes, you haven't hit that thing in three shows. It's out. <laughs> so like, it's funny. Like they're observing my, the people that work for me are actually like, you know, they take it in. So. That is too funny. And you have, I did see you posted about your, your China stand that was like custom yeah. made for you. It's so cool. Thanks. Yeah. Sean Lowry, you know, I just like to, I like unique and creative things, you know, like mm -hmm. it, it's, 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 uh, I, I kind of approach my playing the same way. I try not to, you know, it's obviously we all, we all look up to our heroes and our idols and people that influence us and inspire us, but I'm really weird about like little subtle things. Like if you notice my rack, there's nothing uh, straight about it. Everything's curved and weird. And mm -hmm. I, I needed everyone's, uh, from, I've had that, they call it the North Star, that China that's been in, in the center of my kit for, since I was probably 12 or 13, I've had that symbol. And uh, it actually annoys people, which is very funny to me, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it annoys some drummers. They're always like, what do you, what do you have that thing in there for? Um, but I, uh, I've just had it there for a long time. And I think the story is, I, I used to really look up to Tommy Lee and he had two Chinas, two red Chinas. And I went mm -hmm. out and bought two with my own money. And I cracked one and I literally cried, you know, uh, obviously I'm not endorsed at that time. Yeah. I, well, I play ambidextrous. I'm left hand, right hand. I know I'll just move it to the middle and I'll hit it with both hands. And that's the story behind that. So anyway, all through the years, every singer I've ever had from Richard Patrick, you know, to the army of anyone band, David Lee Roth, you know, Mandy from Jakey Lee band. Uh, they always say like, get rid of that stupid thing in the middle. I want to see you. And I want to see, you know, but anyway, it stuck with me. So now uh, my friend Sean Lowry from uh, uh, Florida, he's an awesome drummer himself and an awesome uh, artist. He just welds stuff in his backyard and he's like mm -hmm. a mad scientist with this stuff. And he said, I saw, approached him one day. I'm like, man, it'd be really cool, you know, to make something really special for the middle. And he come up with this crazy tree looking thing. And it's, and we ended up, it's been painted white. It's been painted black. It's now we have like a, red things that looks like heart valves on it. It's just, it's just <laughs> unique, you know, just to be a little bit weird. I, I like it. It's so great. And I, and like you said, nothing's straight. You've got a lot of curved lines. It's very artistic. Yeah. You know, it's like you're, you're playing a piece of art every night. So, right. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. Thanks. And you mentioned that um, Jonathan plays drums as well. Have you ever picked up the bagpipes and tried the bagpipes or? I haven't. Anything else? No. <laughs> I've, now that you say that, I kind of want to, because it's a weird thing. It's a breathing thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it, uh, not circular breathing. What do they call that? It's a kind of in and out, you know, but um, you don't just pick them up and blow and they start working. It's a, right, right. It's a technique to it. And uh, I've never done that before. I'm going to have to do that. It's been 14 years I've been in this band. I've never picked this bagpipes up. <laughs> right, right. I, I Yeah, it seems fascinating to me. Like it's, yeah. it's one of those instruments um, that's just so uncommon you know yeah. and and especially in the kind of music that you guys play but right. it's it's just such a feature of the music and i know from shows that i've been to uh when he comes out playing the bagpipes it's such a huge moment yeah. um for the audience and um and i i love that you mentioned the looks on the audience faces for these few shows and how yeah. just excited they are for to see you guys and to be at a show, I'm sure for a lot of them, it's their first show coming out of the pandemic and yeah. first time seeing live music, first time being with a bunch of other people who are enjoying the same thing. And um, that's just so exciting. It is. It's, it's, uh, and just like 
you know, this band that I'm in, you know, obviously Jonathan went through a lot of things in his childhood and he sings and screams about them. And it, mm -hmm. it attracted, unfortunately, a, a lot of people that are in the same position, you know, so um, Korn's music is very therapeutic, you know, lyrically mm -hmm. to a lot of people out there. So when you, I always say like when we're out there playing, it, it takes people away from their nine to five jobs. It, or if you, some people have 12 hour day jobs, you know, so I have friends that just work and that's all they do. You know, they have, you know, they work 50, 60 hour weeks someday and sometimes, and um, you need that show. You need that for an outlet. You mm -hmm. need it to release. You, you need that. Like you can see it on their faces. just like, oh. yes. Yeah. yeah. So, that 90 minutes or if you're Metallica three hours or what, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, they, they, you, they, they, we live for that. I'm a fan. I still go to, I want to see a show, you know, I want to go yeah. just watching, just, you know, Chevelle and watching Stain the other day on stage and, and the band 68 that's opening the whole sh uh, night for us. They're amazing. There's these, these two guys. I don't know if you heard of 68, but, they're just really fun and they rock out together. It's a drummer and a guitar player. And they're like literally side by side in this giant stage, but then there's a floor time and a snare and a kick and it's it. One similar and a set of hats. And they just, it's a fun thing. And watching the people's face is that, you know, a lot of people haven't heard of them, but mm -hmm. just watching the people see them going like, this was kind of cool. This is a, that whole thing again, you know, it, when it got taken away from us, it was like, you never would think that, you know, I always prepared for like gig loss. Like I'm, I'm very realistic about my career. Like I know that nothing lasts forever. I know that, you know, when I got the corn gig in 07, I remember Fieldy, the bass player saying, well, we got about another year left in us. And I'm like, Hey, that's cool. I'm here. Let's do this. Let's, yeah. let's, you know, and every year we go by, there's more tour dates. There's another record. <laughs> there's another record. And I'm like, Hey, like like five years ago, I go, you remember when you told me you had another year left? He goes, well, I, I don't have a crystal ball either. So, but you always prepare for gig loss because, you know, I've been through the ringer in Los Angeles, you know, I've had many failed original bands. I've had many national bands, you know, that, that were good and bad situations. And I've ex just, I just have a ton of experience with all that. So you kind of have in your mindset, like Corn could call me today and say, hey, been a good run we've been around 26 years it's a wrap and i'm not mm -hmm. gonna say oh my god what do i do because i in the back of my head that's always been my mentality you know mm -hmm. to be uh prepared for such a thing you know um you just right. that's just what it's like you just there's no one really knows and and when you, you know yourself it, it, when you're in a band it's kind of like a marriage you know some people's hearts fall out of it some people's hearts stay in it some people mm -hmm like myself, I'm a lifer. Like I'll do this till I'm 97 and I mm -hmm. can't finger anymore. You know, that's just, I, I this is the, the fire and the flame never dwindled for me at all. Like it's burning stronger than ever, you know? So, but some people, you know, that their hearts just falls out of it. Some people say, I'm going to go to law school. Like this thing was cool for a while, but I don't have a plan B. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sorry I got off on another tangent. You asked me about the crowd. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. That, and that's a really great point. And it is incredibly smart, I think, to have a plan B or at least to to know in your mind that there could be an end to, yeah. to this part of your career, this piece of your life, um, yeah. because it is uh, this industry is is tough and things change and, yeah. you know, people change and, and life decisions are made. But you've done an amazing job throughout your career of um, moving into another amazing situation um, one after the other. So yeah, I it mean, is, it's incredibly it, smart. Well, I, yeah, but I mean, you know, I it was still living on the edge, you know, it's still like not, there's still question marks over every move. And that's the mm -hmm. scary thing is like, it's funny because I have friends that have worked for the same job for decades and mm -hmm. they the same boss and they have the same employee. Hey Marge, how you doing? Hey Ralph, how you? And it's just, they go into their office and they know when lunch is, they know when dinner is, they or when they're done with work, they know when their vacation, they have that, that week of vacation, maybe two, if you're lucky a year, mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. think, go do something else. And I just, I never wanted that life. I just, to me, that's not the life I wanted. I prom I knew that in my teens. I'm like, I see people, especially in the small town of Pittsburgh where I grew up, I grew up in this really small town called West Newton, which is it's, out there, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's,
not people they just do the same thing a lot of them you know they don't really venture out because they don't want to you know mm -hmm. um i heard melissa Etheridge talk about her own town which is not far from mine and say you know no one's really super happy no one's super sad everyone's just okay well i didn't want to be just okay i wanted to have adventure i wanted to see the world i wanted to you know play drums and i knew if i didn't make a living playing drums full time i would do something in the business it would be like because i just love the entertainment business too much i love uh bands too i love music too much you know so um but with that you, it's the risk i had no idea you know when i moved to hollywood at 18 you're just like woohoo let's do this and you're like oh wait let me pull that knife out of my back because yeah. i trusted this person or that person and oh wait i thought this i thought it would be a little easier why but you said we're going to have a record deal. Now you're saying we don't have a record. Why did you do that? Because <laughs> I come from this farm where you trusted everybody and everybody right. had your back. And you moved to LA in the big city where, like, hey, kid, like, so it, it didn't change me or it didn't like jade me, you know. I, but you have to put that shell over you because if you don't, you're going to get stepped on and walked on. So I learned a ton in the first five years of. Los Angeles, you know, 118 acre farm to Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> right. That's incredible. What a, what a difference. And, you know, like you, you said, there are a lot of people who have a nine to five job and they kind of go to work and they come home and that's, that's their life. And there's a stability and a comfort in that. But what you did was a little bit scary and on the edge to just <laughs> venture out right and like <laughs> go to hollywood it's it is yeah. it is scary and i always say you know um do the scary thing because then it becomes not scary anymore like you do it you realize that it's possible and then you realize well the next thing that seems a little bit scary i know i already did something yeah. that was you know, uh, outside of my comfort zone. So I can do this other thing. And then you kind of realize that you can do it. And that's exactly what you did. And and you developed, um, you know, your the shell that you said, like you have to have kind of a thick skin and understand yeah. that it's not, there, you know, there are people out there that aren't trustworthy and yes. you have to kind of find those that are and protect yourself and all of those things. But, so but it's worth it, right? It is. It's definitely. I mean, I wouldn't have changed the thing. Like it's. It's. I remember talking to my mom, going, "What were you thinking? You got, you dropped me and my guitar player from Pennsylvania off in the middle of Hollywood <laughs> Boulevard and left." And she, Damon, we trusted you. You had a good head on your shoulders, and we knew you would you would do well. But wow. now I'm thinking like, you know, 2,600 miles moving away. You know, it's one thing because I always wanted to go to New York, and my guitar player talked me into going to MI, a musician, mm -hmm. and. Um, because that was kind of an excuse to go out to meet people to to uh, make connections. I don't know what that meant. I didn't know what networking meant. I didn't know. I just thought like I'm going to get so good, or I'm going to try to get so good that people won't turn me down. And mm -hmm. that I'd lock myself in my drum lab for six hours a day, and then I'd play with my band all night long, and I do that every single day. And little did I know that my friends that could play just a steady groove with good time were getting these big gigs and. How'd you get that? You know, no offense, but you only know like four grooves. And he's like, yeah, but I was out, I was at the Troubadour. I gave my business card to this person. And next thing you know, you know, we're having a beer. And I'm like, I didn't know that life. I was the geek that stayed in and I want to play this band. I want to play that band. Well, it, you need to go out and, and network too. So, um, but LA is a different animal. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, I don't even know how to describe it unless you really go through it and live there, you know, and I have friends moving out there now to try to do the whole dream and try. And it's like, they're like, what advice can you give me? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> here's the thing. So, you know, what? Well, here's the, and I, I just stumble. Cause I, where do you start? I can't even, it makes me like my stomach just turns when I hear somebody going like, I want to do what you did. What do I do? Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, and I don't want to discourage them at all because I don't know which I don't, I can't decide your destiny and your fate. I don't know what's the world's going to have. The world's really weird right now. You know, I mm -hmm. have no idea. It could blow up tomorrow. I have no idea. We could live, it could go change for the better. And we all can be like, wow, I remember that one time in 20 and 21. Yeah. But the state of the music business is so weird now with all the streaming and all the, 
that's a it's a totally different avenue you know when i moved to hollywood in 88 it was like people were actually still buying rock records and still, mm-hmm. still supporting the artists a lot you know and the live entertainment in the last few years is the only thing we had you know to rely on the merchandising and all that and then they took that away from us so we're like yeah you know so yeah it's also up and coming now it's it, it really takes me a lot to really not discourage them because i want to encourage i want to they're they're the next generation you know right there's right little, there's little kids on youtube that there's a freaking six-year-old that played a corn song the other day i was in my mouth was like, are you kidding <laughs> me he's six i have a six and a ten-year-old and they're very talented and gifted but that's next level and he's writing me he's dming me on instagram <laughs> i'm like dude you're, i don't even my i would never even let my son not to say that's bad that he dm me but you know his dad yeah. was supervising obviously his dad chimed in mm-hmm. but um my point is, uh, they're the next generation. They're the next, you know, when I see this talent on online, on the, on the internet and YouTube, I'm just like, it's mind blowing, the TikTok things. And the, so you want to encourage people to, mm-hmm. to go out there, but you also want to be real with them and say, hey, look, it ain't what you think. And it's not as easy as you think. It's like, you, there's no guarantee. You know, I used to think my, all my friends that had the nine to five jobs, which I totally respect, were like, you know, you, and I'm like, I envy you because you have such security. You have such, you know, you're making X amount of dollars. You know, you're, you're, you know, when Christmas break is, you know, what? there is no Tuesdays or Saturdays in rock and roll, or at least mm-hmm. what I do. It's, it's, mm-hmm. It is what it is. I mean, of course, for my kids, I fall into a schedule when I'm home with them. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, so, so like, you know, the security thing, like, I used to think like, God, they're so secure. And they're like, and then someone would get the rug pulled out from them. Like after all these promises they had, they got canned from their job or they're mm-hmm. ready for that next position movement. And like, how could they do this? Well, they got some younger or they got somebody to take a lot less money. So it does happen. It happen in all professions, not just mine. Right. People are always like, how are you living like that? It's so unsecure. Like you got kids, dude, what are you thinking? You know, life, life is unsecure, right? I mean, there's, there's no guarantee no. and it's as stable as you think things are, you're right. At any moment there could be a change. Um, so I think, I think you're right. You know, you're living the best life that fits you. And when yeah. you're giving advice to those, to those young musicians about going out to Hollywood and everything, I mean, yeah. the thing about your experience is it, good or bad, it kind of like shaped your future. You know, it was part of your history. It was a step in your history. And I think, um, you know, everyone kind of learns differently or has different experiences, but, um, you know, it's good for you to, it's for you to encourage that next generation for sure, even though things are a lot different. And there are, like you mentioned, the six-year-old, there are kids who are not only incredibly talented, but also like great at networking and understand social media and yeah. like it reach out to you all the time. And it's, it's amazing. It's, it's so different these days. Cause like the whole, I was talking to my buddy the other day about the whole rock star thing. He's like, what are the, what rock stars are left? Think about it. He goes, anyone can be a rock star now on blind or you're a TikTok star. I got 5 million followers and I got, you know, it's, it's a, it's weird. Like when you think about it, I, I'm old school. I'm 51 now. So like what I, you know, I grew up in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and you're like, they're, these are the new rock stars. Now it's not like, you know, there used to be a thing where you used to build and you used to get in a band and you got press and people got to know you through your music, your records. And now it's like, it's a weird thing to me, you know, and I'm embracing it. I don't, I don't shun it at all. I, I mm-hmm. definitely am one of those. I got to stay with it. I don't, I don't dare say like, Back in my day, I'm not one of those guys, you know, because I, you have to stay with it or you'll wither away, you know. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's it's not a like the whole the whole David Lee Roth thing and the Jonathan Davises and all the the rock stars, you know. It's a it's a different thing now in music. Like you see these big famous bands, and yeah, they're popular in that. But I don't know the whole term rock star to me kind of is going away because you can be a star or a freaking internet star. So. Yeah, the traditional like thought of a rock star, I think, is isn't it's not as 
common to yeah. find a rock star right. anymore like we think of rock stars but right. yeah i mean things things are definitely changing and and it's amazing just from like a drummer's perspective how kids are learning now through youtube videos and online lessons and all of that um and i joke about how like back in the day it was vhs recordings like if you could get them and then yep. you'd have to just rewind and press play and then rewind. Yep. <laughs> like, you know, yep. so the process of of learning, you know, you you really had to find a teacher, find mentors, um, to and, and go to clinics and things like that. So, yeah. you know, it has it has changed a lot. Um, but it reminds me actually, I'm just thinking about the first time that I met you was actually at a clinic from uh, one of our favorite drummers who is Dennis Chambers. And Dennis was doing an artist in residence at Berkeley College. And I remember I got a text um, and it was like, you know, Ray Lucier's in town and he wants to come and see Dennis. And I was like, yes, that it needs to happen. Like <laughs> Ray and Dennis need to meet each other or yeah. see each other. Maybe you had met him before, but um, but I was so excited to to get a chance to meet you because I didn't work, you know, I worked for Zildjian for so many years and you were yeah. a Serbian artist, a long time right. Serbian artist. So we just never crossed paths and it was it was exciting to uh, get a chance to meet you and introduce you to Dennis too. Yeah, I've always heard about you. It's funny because you always hear about people that are in the biz and the ones that the artists like a lot. And you always had that rapport in relationship with, with artists they they you you came highly liked and highly respected so oh thank you even though we didn't meet or or you know it was bound to happen someday here we are right <laughs> yes yeah. the whole endorsement thing because you you i'm one of the i'm pretty loyal you know sabian was the first company that believed in me when i was playing clubs in front of 13 people at the troubadour mm -hmm. and, uh i remember you know just that's another you know it's another thing with the whole as you know, you've dealt with many, many artists in, in your career. It's like you, you, there's a loyalty and there's a relationship and a camaraderie, everything that goes with it. You don't just like, oh, I'm in a famous band, give me stuff. It's not that way. Right. It's like you got to build that rapport. And Sabian's like the first company in 93, uh, the old rep, Bobby Boos, who's still a buddy mm -hmm. of mine. Uh, he came to this club and, and I just got the Jakey Lee gig, the guitar player from Ozzy. And I was so embarrassed because I had a cracked Pisces, a cracked Zildjian, a cracked Camber, a cracked Sabian. I mean, literally cracked everything. And mm -hmm. I was like, I got the gig, but I just couldn't afford gear. Yeah. And uh, I was on a few shrapnel records at this independent label. I was playing on these guitar shredder records. And uh, and I was in the tech just got a Pearl Jam. He was teching for Dave Abrazee's, uh, his name was Dave Ivy. And he comes in, he goes, I'm not setting this crap up. <laughs> like, what, what are you, are you killing me? I go, dude, I don't, you gotta ask Jake if he's got a budget for it. Cause I gotta, I need to buy gear, you know? Yeah. So anyway, my original band was still playing at that time when I got this gig and he came to see me and he goes, he, he believed in me as an artist, you know, as he, he, he knew he saw, I don't know, an ounce of something that, that was going to be in the future. And, and yes. that was a lifer kind of thing. And uh, he goes, okay, here's 10 symbols. They're not yours, but I'm giving you 10 symbols loner. He goes, if you crack one, we'll replace it. Well, that was 93 and I haven't paid for a symbol since. Because, so it's like, <laughs> that's that was like, you believe in me, I'm gonna believe in you. Kind of Absolutely. Thing, you know? So, and that's, that holds true with my 14 endorsements today. I have four, literally 14 companies after that, that, that look after me and I gotta, you know, the whole thing. So, um, and of course, there's times where you have to change and people, you know, people move in the companies, as you know, as you did, you know, mm -hmm. and that things just happen like that. I mean, uh, Mike Ferris and Pearl is now the studio guy at Pearl. He's not the artist rep anymore. Well, right. that bummed a lot of Pearl artists out because he was the guy, you know, he and so I understand that, you know, so. Um, important. Yeah. Yeah. John, the, the new artist, rep, he got thrown the, through the wolf pile because it was like. He's young, he's 26, 27 when he got hired at Pearl. Like, wait, I'm taking care of this roster. <laughs> All these I know, right? Yeah. It's a lot for sure. Um, and I know, you know, for, for me being on the other side of it as a representative of a company, I always, 
you know, always was, rep, you know, the company representative, but on the other side of it, you know, I'm a fan of drumming and drummers and music and all of that. So it was always a, um, a situation where I enjoyed making connections to anyone in the industry, just, just because, you know, this, this industry is full of really amazing people. Drummers are like the best group of people. I say it all the time, but I truly believe it. Um, everyone takes care of each other and, yeah. you know, shares with each other. And sure, there's some like, you know, good hearted competition there and everyone wants to be the best, of course. But there's just this community that's so caring about each other. Yeah. And I love that. It's so I'm, good. I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's totally it's totally true because um, even at MI, I used to teach at PIT for off and on for about a decade. When I was way too young. I look back, I'm like, why would they hire me at 22? Like Ralph Humphrey and Joe Picaro hired me at MI. And I look back at them, I'm like, what the heck? But they needed a rock program. There was no rock teachers there. And everyone was complaining. So I started three hours a week with a double base curriculum. Then I started teaching privates. And then I more and more classes. And next thing you know, I'm at 33 hours a week. Wow. Um, but what other job can you have that like, hey, I'm going on tour with David Lee Roth. I need to take the next two months off. They yeah. love that because their staff is on tour with David Lee Roth. So yeah. that MI look good. So they actually, anyway, um, wow, my, my brain is gone right now. Would you ask me before this? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, that's okay. I was just saying the community, the drumming community. Oh, yeah. is so oh, yes. great. So am I. Sorry, I'm literally yeah. I feel like about four hours of sleep right now for the show. No, you know what? So, and let me just, let me take this moment <laughs> to just thank you for, for doing this on like no sleep and like rolling into town <laughs> on the bus and rolling off the bus and getting on with us. And thank oh, you so much. No, of course. I'm, I'm all about it. You know, I'm, it's weird because like this is the first week on the bus. So as I'm sitting here, my, my brain is doing this. Mm. Literally, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm swaying and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm grounded right now. <laughs> well, I can sway too if that helps. You know? Yeah, there you go. The whole thing is just we had a, we had a still race. So the whole thing is going to. Yes. No, but uh, well, that's what they say by sea legs. If you ever hear if you non yeah. people out there, if you ever hear someone say I have to get my sea legs, that's what it means. You get that whole gist of like, oh, I'm checking. This is my fifth hotel room in five days, and yeah. you know, uh, uh, just going waking up in town. To some this morning, I didn't know where we were. I swear, I didn't know we were in North Carolina. I woke up and I like looked out the front bus window. I'm like, North Carolina. <laughs> oh, it must be that Raleigh gig. Like this yeah. is already, and it hasn't even been a week. You know. And then, um, and then you try to like, you leave your hotel room, and you don't know which way the elevator is, or like what your room yeah. number is, or Absolutely. any of that. And yeah. I still have key cards in certain bags and I'll pull out the key card from two hotels ago. And I'm like, <laughs> why does my key not work? Why <laughs> oh, this is two days ago. I didn't mean to. But uh, yeah, there's so many different factors. And then just getting used to people again and you're around these, thank God I have a great band and crew to be around because some mm -hmm. people don't like their bands and crew, they don't want to be around it. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so my years at MI, I always noticed like, the guitar players would come in and, you know, I did this thing called open counseling where you sit in a room full of 10, whatever, five to 20 drummers. And they'll come in and say, Hey, I can't figure out this dream theater song. I can't figure out, I have a jazz guy that can't play back in black on drums. And the, so the, in anything and everything, they just, we just talk. And I learned so much through that because there was guys in there that played circles around me in jazz and Latin. And, and I was like the rock guy, of course, but, um, but you constantly learn. I don't care if you're the teacher or the student, you're learning, you know, mm -hmm. so, but all the guitar players would come down and go, what, you guys are just geeks. You just hang out and talk and laugh and you're just, you're, how about this? And check this out. I got this thing. And, I, and I'm like, that's how we are. The guitar players, like you see them in the cafeteria, they're like, you know, doing their tapping and their, their <laughs> string skipping and they're all the, and they're like, and you could tell the other guy comes in and they're like, yeah, yeah. I said, but, but if you tried this, and then <laughs> this is like there's a challenge thing between the guitar. Like I can do that too, but here's what I do: I do a hammer, yeah. and I do this with my. And it's like this. Drummers don't really do that. I'm not saying all guitar players. Some, of course. Yeah, yeah. But most drummers are like, that's badass. Well, check this out. You can add this to that, and and then and then in any different level, you know, it can be like a beginner to a whatever. You know, I've, I've sat with Bozio. I've sat with Portnoy. I've sat with the greats and, and swapped information like that. And it's such a cool thing. There's no egos or attitudes, you know, mm -hmm. Ray, but the last drum festival in the UK, he's, he's so funny. He's like, so, um, can I sit on your drums? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And like, you know, Benny Grape sitting on my, he goes to hit my North star and he's just like, you, you 
that's comfortable for you? I go, I never said it's comfortable. It's just it's there. <laughs> that's what I hear. You know? So, but it's a joke thing. And we go out to dinner and it's, you know, it's, it's Chris Coleman. It's all these just monster drummers. And mm -hmm. we just have the best time talking and laughing. And, you know, so yeah, there's definitely something different in the drummers community. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just such a small, it's such a small industry. You know, everyone really does know each other. And even if there's someone that you don't know, you know, someone who knows that person and, you know, everyone knows each other's families and all of that. And, and being in Nashville too, there's a community there that's yeah. just like its own microcosm of drummers. Like the Nashville drummers are, yeah. are so tight and always like, you know, helping each other out and someone a few times uh someone's been hurt and not able to um go out and on their gig and then another drummer will sub and just hold that spot for them until yeah. they recover and you know or, or deal with a life situation it's just such a great community the, the national scene is so much different than la like mm -hmm. i still don't i've been here seven years now down in franklin and up south of nash and it's like I still don't feel like one of them. It's really weird. Like on my own, I kind of hide in Franklin and all the local drummers. They, I don't know what they think of me. Cause <laughs> like I'm buddies <laughs> with a lot of them. Like I love all the, 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 the you know, Rich Redmond, Jim Riley, near Z, all these like phenomenal yeah. drummers out there. We all, we're all buddies, but it's, it, it's weird. Like I have a lot of friends that play the Broadway strip, you know, every night, mm -hmm. every day, they'll have gigs from like four to six, eight to 10, 10 to 12. They just, but the thing about them is, what's different than the LA scene? They, can, like you said, they can they can sub out very easily. They can easily yeah. sub out, and and it, and it's not that they don't have their own identity. I'm not trying to downplay any of them because I respect all of them. Mm -hmm. But in LA, there's a when you get hired for something, you got hired because you had a thing that you did. There, mm. there's like, there was like a. I really like the way you did this, or you have this feel when you play a shuffle, or you have this thing. And, and in Nashville, a lot of those drummers on the strip, in my opinion, aren't getting paid what they deserve because they're working their balls off. I mean, they really play a lot, and they're great. They're phenomenal drummers and musicians. I see people, I, you go to an ice cream shop in Nashville, literally like the size of a ice cream shop and there's this dude in there that sounds better than john mayer on a guitar with this and he's got a tip jar on you're like you should be in arenas like, yeah doing you know that's yeah. the musicianship out there is is next level stuff mm -hmm. my only argument is they're not getting paid enough like on those those strip uh, i have a couple students that i have on that working actively and they're really mm -hmm. great waiting kind of for a break for a big band and i find out what they're getting paid and i'm like dude why are you, why don't you ask for more money? He goes, cause there's 150 drummers right behind me. I'll do it for cheaper. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> right. Yeah. I that's tough. I don't get that. I mean, I yeah. heard to the grapevine that lately they've been throwing a little bit more love and I like hearing that, you know, that's but great. I don't like, like someone set the standard out there. Like you're going to make this much and that's going to be it. And you better hope the people tip because you split the tips. What? Mm -hmm. phenomenal musicians get what you deserve get paid that's why i'm always telling people don't be afraid like when you get called for an audition or you get that gig when you're negotiating don't be afraid to get what you're worth or what you what you think you're you know sometimes you don't know what you're worth you know you mm -hmm. can't toot mm -hmm. your own horn and say oh i'm joe this and i deserve because that could say well we got there's other drummers that we can get for cheaper too but also don't take nothing you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah so the nashville scene like it's it's interesting to me like a lot of those guys they don't play on their own records in their respective artists like mm -hmm. i remember i'm not gonna bring up names but i remember complimenting someone heavily on because i heard this new song the country song on the radio and i ran into this guy in whole foods and i'm like dude i heard your track and oh my god he goes yeah aren't the drums phenomenal and i was like Wow, you really like yourself in my head. You know, because he's, I would never say my drum track's phenomenal ever. Sure, right? my best playing on the planet. I would never say that just because I don't. I don't say that. But he and he goes, and I go, yeah, man, they're really good. He goes, yeah, near Z knocked it out of the park. And I went, oh, you didn't play on that track. He goes, oh, I never play on the records. It's near Z is one of the most famous session drummers out there. He right, right. And I'm like, oh, I see. But he, they have no problems playing the tour. Like right, he right. told me, hey, Ray, we're going to have so-and-so play on the new corn record. But don't worry, you're going to play live. I'd be like, <laughs> the hell? there's no way. Would I, you know, I can't. 
and I understand there's certain situations where there are studio guys that that's their mm -hmm. thing and the producers and the artists feel more comfortable with that. And there right. are thing is better live drummers than better studio drummers. I get it. You know, I thought mm -hmm. I was a session guy in LA for a while because I was playing on jingles. I was playing on commercials, movie soundtracks, whoever's record. And, and I thought I was getting in that scene and it kind of was my bag for a bit, but in the late nineties, uh, beginning of the O's, but I, but I kind of, found out that I love touring and I love being in a band. I love making a record and I love seeing the band grow on the next mm -hmm. one. Ooh, what can we do on this one? We didn't do on the last one. I love that. I get off on that feeling of like, you know, like we're recording a new, new core music now. And I, I love that challenge of like, we did this, but now we're going to go this route. And that is heaven to me because recordings, in my opinion, they, you know, in my eyes, they, they last out, last us all, you know, we're all off this planet. Right. Right. Your music's going to live on, you know, and of course there'll right. be live YouTube stuff that it's going to, you'll see, but, um, studio drums is a whole different level. So uh, there's cats out there that are just brilliant at it. Near Z is one of them, man. Yeah. Get in the studio. Jeez. Oikes. It is amazing. I know there are so we could just we could list the fantastic studio drummers that yeah. are on like hundreds and hundreds of recordings or thousands yeah. even. It's it's pretty incredible. And you're right, Nashville does have that have yeah. that um that scene as well, like the real session drummer scene. And yeah. you actually do you do recording from your home studio too as well, yeah, right? I do. And I I remember recently we were talking maybe earlier this year and you had done, you had done a country album. Right. Yeah. And I was like, this is so cool. And I couldn't, I was, I, I ha I'll have to listen to it because, yeah. you know, um, and coming from like all those sessions that you did, but I was just like, this is cool. Like Ray playing country music. I like yeah. it. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I try to keep obviously all my, and I taught that at school, like, you know, mm -hmm. never be limited to one thing because everything broadens everything else. Like, absolutely. If you can't stand jazz, listen to jazz. You're going to find something in there that enhances or inspires you in your thrash metal or your polka band. I don't care what you play with. It's you're going to find something in that mix that makes you go like, God, I don't really get this, but that's kind of cool. What, what are mm -hmm. they doing right there? You know, uh, the, the bass player that's filling in for us right now, Rod Diaz, he's from Suicidal Tendencies, that band. And mm -hmm. um, he had jazz on in the dressing room yesterday all day long. Every time I come in, burr, 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 I'm like, dude, it's like three hours now. I love jazz, but I, <laughs> I don't know if I can hang with how much more of this. And he's like, but listen, to this, listen to this guy, listen to this guy. I mean, it's so awesome to, you know, hear that even in the dressing room. So I always say like, you know, broaden your horizons, listen to different stuff, you know? So yes. I've, through the years, I've been challenged. Like, like Ray, can you play on this? Can you play a bossa nova? Can you play a samba? And I'm like, I can. <laughs> Is it convincing <laughs> my Amish pig farmer, Western Pennsylvania ways? Uh, I don't know if you want. I'm not exactly Tito Puente. So <laughs> I will give it my best shot. And right. I do. You know, I, I, I can. I've been on records, not big ones, but I've convinced people. And I've done basic swing, believe it or not. Um, but Country is a whole other world to me. It's like a there's a beauty about the simplicity of what they do. And the groove has to be so strong. You can't get in the way of that vocal because the vocal, the storytelling is everything in country, right? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not about like, check out that, you know, Swiss Army triplet I did getting into the court. They could give right. it, you can get fired for that, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it's a whole, I mean, it's an incredible style of playing, like being yeah. in that in the pocket, right? For yeah. just consistently and and then flavoring the music in the most appropriate way. Yes. Um, it's, you know, some of my favorite country drummers have, they have their own style that they bring to that. Uh, and I, I always love listening to that. But, you know, you listening to and teaching and recording other styles of music, like brings things back to your, your playing and your style too. Um, yeah. Even if it's subconscious, I, I just love, that part of it, like that part of drumming where you are, you're constantly learning and you're constantly bringing things kind of like back to your core competency. Um, but it's a, yeah, you're right. It's always good to keep things, to change things up and keep things fresh and explore different styles of music. And um, to top it off on this record uh, is Mr. Billy Sheehan playing bass and everybody oh, perfect. knows Billy, like, you know, he's, yeah, the most insane, most unique, creative bass players out there, you know, for what he does. And he's the one that turned me on to John Statham, this 
record that's going to come out uh, later this year. And when Billy approached me, he's like, Ray, you have to hear this guy. You have to hear his songs. I mean, it's some of the best songwriting I've ever heard. And I look up to Billy. He's one of my, he's one of my dear friends. And he's also such a huge influence to me because back in the Talos days to when he got the David Lee Roth gig to him and Chambers playing in Niacin to Winery Dog, Sons of Apollo, you name it, all the bands he's ever done. I just hail and respect that guy. And he's 66, 67, and he's still on fire. He's like practices every day. So when he, we have this little rhythm section thing going through the whole quarantine. I have a home studio. He has a home studio. We live about 10 minutes from each other. And he turned me on to John Statham. He's like, you, you have to hear this guy. And I go, this is beautiful, man. Like he's going to do well. He goes, I want you to play on this record. I go, dude, this is country. Like it's yeah. kind of country mixed with like a little bit seventies classic rock, like mm -hmm. little stuff going on and, and petty and all that. But it is. I mean, subtleties, like the, the nuances and the finesse. The, I haven't played like this in so many years, and it really challenged me. So, I'm, And I'm quite proud of it because I listened back. I listened to the mixes the other day, and I'm like, that's me? Like, yeah. wow, and that's Billy Sheen? Because Billy went to a super – it almost sounds like he's playing an upright bass. It's beautiful. The, the, wow. the bass sound. Yeah, it's totally different. So when you see the credits and you see Ray Luzier and Billy Sheen, you'll be like, huh? Because you expect like a – Eat them and smile record or, or right, right, buy solo thing or something. So it's even not even to him, it was beautiful to step out of his comfort zone. And so we've been doing stuff like this together uh, all through quarantine. It's been really great. That's so great. Yeah. I love that. And you, you mentioned growing up on a pig farm, right? And <laughs> I was joking, but <laughs> oh, okay. What? But you did grow up on a farm. 118 acres. Yeah, yeah. It was a dairy farm, uh, and it was like it, it's. Our neighbors owned it. We kind of lived on it. Mm -hmm. and we had this giant old farmhouse, four-story farmhouse. It was huge. Wow. And that's all I knew for 18 years was, was all that property. We had a mild dirt road. And that, at the end of that dirt road was the main road, which was one lane up, one lane down. And that was it went to West Newton, which is a super small town. It's full of awesome people. And uh, it, that's all you knew. And that's why, that's why I said, like, you know, I moved – no one really understands farm life unless you live it. You know, it's, mm -hmm. people don't get it. City people will never understand what farmers do or what, you know, and I got out of a lot of work because of my allergies. I'll be honest. I wasn't Mr. Like Joe farmer, but right. You know, people, you would bail a field of hay, get a shower and then go to school. Right. You know I mean, and did that kind of stuff where and you'd see your friends yawning and, and they're like, Oh, I didn't sleep less. I'm like sleep. I've been up since, you know, whatever doing and, and like I said, I didn't do much of that because I was, I did help out on the farm, but mm -hmm. I was so engulfed in baseball and music and go-karts and motorcycles that I didn't. <laughs> My sister owns a 30, 337 animal zoo in Smithton, PA. So if you're ever in Smithton, PA, go look, uh, go look for Critter Country Animal Farm. It's oh amazing. Gosh. She's got tigers. She's got Cotamundis, lemurs, camels. I mean, it's exotic animals. It's not like wow. versus cows, pigs kind of thing, you know. So, um, but she remained a farmer, obviously, and took it to yes. extreme level. Took it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, different upbringing for sure. It's like it, you know, the the city. It makes you when you're in downtown Manhattan or you're in, walking around LA, you're like, this is definitely not. You know, I think that's why I moved to Franklin, Tennessee, because it. You know, we have 11 acres now. It's like it's kind of a mixture yeah. of what we I grew up on in the concrete jungle of L.A. You know? Right. It's cl yeah closer to what's a comfortable environment, I'm sure, for the downtime that you do have. And the kids. Um, I, I want to raise the kids in L.A. You know, I want them to have a little ranch out room. So I get that absolutely. Do you have um, Do you have animals or or pets or any of that? Not yeah, we have pet, we have two cats and a dog, but you know, there you go. no farm animals. <laughs> no, and my wife is pushing for like, let's get some goats. Let's get. Some. I'm like, yeah, let's let's wait <laughs> on that a little bit, you know, because uh, it's that's a whole other animal, you know. Uh, yeah, animal, yeah. Pun intended. Pun intended. There you yeah. go. But you know, I wanted to mention though the the work, even though you know you said you didn't do you weren't constantly working on the farm, but that the work ethic that you experienced and you saw and the up, you know, with the sun and the bailing of the hay before school and all of that, I feel like that lends itself to being a musician in this industry because it's like working harder, being the one who does 
more in order to get yeah. the auditions. I remember I, I read somewhere that you, when you auditioned for Corn, they had asked you to learn a certain amount of songs and you learned like three times as many songs as you needed or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just what it's about. It's, it's about like, who's going to put in the work, make it happen, yeah. um, put the time in, get less sleep like you did today. <laughs> to yeah. Be here. yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's, and that did transpose from, you know, seeing the hard work ethic of the farm and it does transfer to what you do in your career. I, I believe it a hundred percent. I'm not saying that like if you were raised as a lazy person or, or a whatever, the opposite of that, I'm not saying you're not going to be successful in that, but it does your men, your mental state mm -hmm. is a totally different ball game because when I, whatever I do, whether it was, you know, I pitched and played first base in baseball for eight years. That's what, you know, anybody knows baseball the pitcher's no joke like you got a lot of pressure on you and you got to be decent at what you do so i've always pushed myself um not really knowing that i was pushing myself mm -hmm. you, you know what i'm saying like yeah you, like that's just what you did yeah you just you just went the extra mile like my mom always taught me like you're not going to be late you're not you're gonna you know whatever homework assignments i had i did them as well as i could or i went overboard on stuff or you know, uh, um, I remember getting, don't get me wrong. I wasn't Mr. Joe, a plus student, you know, I was for until rock and roll kicked into what 10th grade, but I remember, uh, turning an assignment and my teacher actually wrote on the paper, very equivalent to college, uh, papers, like my assignment I turned in and that was like 10th grade. So you see that kind of stuff. And my mom was like, that's my Raymond's going to be this and whatever. You know? <laughs> and it, but it, it made me like practice harder. It made me, and I still have a ways to go. Trust me, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But because I think that's what we were talking about before. The, in a musician, you're all you're constantly learning every single day. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, you probably should go to do something else because you may not be interested anymore. I'm totally interested in you know finding out new stuff and new avenues, learning new music. And but yeah, that work ethic definitely kicks in. And I always tell people my clinics and drummers like advice are like, well, wh why did you get the gig? And those other 500 drummers didn't. I'm like, well, there's certain things. It could be the look. It could be the second you walk through that door, they could look at you and go, nope, mm -hmm. that's happened to me. Mm -hmm. There was one gig where they wanted guys. And it's funny because I got the corn gig that has dreadlocks and I didn't get a gig back in the nineties because they wanted a, um, African-American drummer with dreadlocks. And I'm like, well, why did I get the call? <laughs> what is it comes from the farm, you know? So, right. uh, but there's, there's a thing, like if you have the chance, like when, for example, with Jakey Lee, he's one of my favorite guitar players on the planet. I got, of course, I was a huge Aussie freak and I was a huge Badlands freak, his other band. And so when I got the call for Jake, they gave us the three song uh, demo, which was on cassette, by the way. So you know mm -hmm. how far that was. And, uh, and, and they said, learn this, this just all the drummers are going to do these three songs, nothing else. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I learned these three songs. And of course I knew every Aussie song already, but I really dug into the Badlands catalogs and I, and I went both of those records and I've learned every note of every song. And I was number 48, I think that day. And they were just like, you know, like they were on their amps, like, okay, <laughs> what's your name? And I go, I'm Ray. And you know, because we're playing on the same kit same three songs. What are you going to do? You know? So right. we walk in and they're like, Oh, which one do you want to start with? And I'm like, I'd love to play soul stealer. And they're like, yeah, that's from, that's from Badlands. Let's play one of the songs on the audition. And I'm like, yeah, I go, yes, I love that song. I love high wire too. And I just kind of like just adjusting my drums as I'm talking to him. And the bass player started playing uh high wire and Jake goes, Jake kind of stood up off the stage. It's wrong. You put here, it's here and here. Next thing you know, there's a whole nother energy in the room. Yes. You know? Because it wasn't, you know, I was kind of go, taking a chance by, I wasn't pushing them mm -hmm. or kind of testing them to see if they'd play that. And next thing you know, we're rocking Soul Stealer in that audition in full volume. And they were like all into it because, guy, we've been playing these songs all day. And so we got done with two Badlands songs and then we played two of the songs on the demo. And they said, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, coming back here. <laughs> <laughs> That's And they weeded it down from 10 drummers to five to three to me. So it was like... Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that's happened many times, you know, um, um, so, and I, so the corn thing, the same thing. They said, here, learn these six songs are their biggest hits. And I did, but I also went back and said, 
I'm going to play as many songs as I can. I'm a huge Terry Bozio fan. He played on the last record, Untitled, before I got the gig. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I learned every single song off that. Brooks Wackerman played on there as well. And Jonathan actually played on one song. But I learned as much as I could. you know. And I, and I came in with a list of 33 songs written on a piece of paper. And Monkey comes up to me and goes, what do you know? And I went, he goes, you know all those? I go, kind of. <laughs> like, I could probably yeah. get through. And, uh, and that's what happened, you know. So um, I played my tunes, and they said, welcome to the band. We'll see you in Dublin. I'm like, huh? <laughs> that's so, so great. The bass player said, we got a year left in us. This is year 14. Yeah. And there's no wow. stopping in sight. So, yeah. 14. Very grateful and thankful to still have the gig for sure. It's amazing. It's so amazing. And it's it's like such a great fit for you. Like I feel like, you know, it just you fit in there so well. Um, well, I appreciate you saying that, but a lot of people when I got you as you know, no one likes to see someone replace their favorite member in a band. Sure. You know? they, yeah. They don't want to you know, people really knocked on me for many years because they'd have pictures of the, the last drummer David on their backs or like literally tattoos. Because they're lifers. I mean, they're corn fans. Are, it's not like, oh, I kind of like that band. They're like, no, we're going to every show. We're taking a week off of work, and we're going to follow the bus around. It's They're in it. Mm-hmm. And I'd go to these meet and greets when I finally got sworn in in 09, and they're like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm the, I'll be playing drums later. At the, you'll see me up there, I guess. And uh, nice to meet you. And certain people would just completely blow me off 100%. Jonathan, you saved my life. Monkey, I love you. Fieldy. And look at me and go, and I can't believe it. And I mean, literally just, I was I didn't exist to them. That is so hard. Heavy, heavy. I've I've talked to other drummers about the same exact thing, replacing um, someone in the band. Craig Blundell was talking about that, um, replacing, uh, you know, or coming into a band after someone like Gavin Harrison or Marco Miniman. Um, and, but like, yeah, someone who like the fans are, are rabid about, or, you know, if a band is made up and there's this, this member that kind of, they feel like completes the band, it's right. hard. Right. Yeah. But like over time, has that, has that improved? Okay. It has. I mean, <laughs> like this guy about, this is 2015, maybe 2016. He comes up to me in Louisville, Kentucky. And he's like, Hey man, I won't say exactly what he said because a lot of profanity, but uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, I freaking hated you so bad. And I'm like, why would you hate me? What I do to you? I didn't do anything to you. I, and he's like, no, it took me seven shows. I've seen you seven times now, but right here, man. And he turns around, he lifts his shirt up, and my face was this big on his back. Oh and my, my gosh. Guy, I was like, That's me on your back and you hated me, but apparently you love me now. And it just, it was, that's a prime example of like someone that was a lifer of the five original core members. Mm-hmm. And then some new dude steps in, which it's funny because how much experience I've had and how many bands I've played with, I was still the new guy, you know, I'd say whatever, but that those situations, and that's happened so many times. My mom was funny because she'll go, Raymond, I found another tattoo of you online on someone's body. And she's up to like, <laughs> I don't know how many 50 some tattoos of me, either my signature faces on people. And, and uh, it's pretty weird because they're, that's how much lifers they are and how much yeah. you do their, their own lives. I mean, you don't get someone's face tattooed on you unless they really mean something, you know? So yes, uh, that's pretty serious. That's as serious as it gets, I think. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that that's you know that that's the case, and I, I just picture your mom with like a scrapbook of pictures <laughs> of you know, like Raymond tattoos yeah. and signatures and all of that. She's I very think proud. that's so sweet. Yeah, she, absolutely. I mean, well, dropping you off in in Hollywood and you know just having that confidence in you—that's pretty amazing. And it, it is. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's that's insane. When I think back, and like especially Hollywood Boulevard at that time was there was a lot of drugs on the street. There was a lot of homeless people. There was a lot. Of, you know, I mean, I didn't have experience with any of that. I didn't know right. what an apartment was. I didn't know that an apartment had someone above, below, and on side of you. I was like. And then some stripper would get off work and she knew I left my door open because I was so naive and gullible. The first six months, my roommate's like, dude, lock the freaking door. I'm like, 
we never lock our doors in where I'm, where I'm from. He goes, you're in Hollywood, California. Are you freaking. So the stripper would come off, off her shift from the seventh. I'll never forget. Open the door, come over in her underwear and, and like a bra going, I'm hungry. What do you got? I'm like, jelly. <laughs> and, and then you'd hear this guy in the hallway yelling at the top of his lungs. Like, I told you never to. And I'm like, oh, someone's fighting. And I look out. He's learning his lines because he's an actor. Oh, so my he's gosh. Doing, so I'm like, got a stripper and an actor. And I, I don't know. I mean, it was like you talk about slap upside the head of reality of like just weirdness. So. Yeah. yeah, right, right from the farm into, you know, the the chaos of Hollywood. That's that's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. Um wow. That's I, mean, I didn't have I didn't have money when I moved out there and, and I you know, I remember like these these same homeless people every day and walk past the Hey man, what do you got today? I'm like, I, I don't have anything. And I would have given this homeless guy like half my Chinese food sometimes because I remember mm -hmm. the Chinese place had like this $4 you get this overheaping plate of food it would last mm -hmm. you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I would give him that, you know, just because I felt so bad. I'm like, I guess you, that's what you do, right? Little I know, unfortunately, some of them are fake and they're scamming people on Hollywood Boulevard. They're waiting for a bus of Japanese people to get off and giving them $5 bills and they're putting dirt on their face. And that, I, all this stuff you're learning, like, I it's, know. it's, they don't call it Hollywood weird for nothing. Right. <laughs> that is the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's, um, you know, a learning experience. Yeah. Um, go, going through all of that and, uh, you know, and look where, where you've come, you know, you're, you're on the road, like you were saying earlier before we started recording to, to be, um, back on the road and to be doing what you love and, yeah. you know, playing, you're, playing shows. It's pretty just, amazing. Just so blessed after many years of like, not new, not knowing an uncertainty in the quarantine, which is like, and, and unfortunately bands are going home now because people are getting uh, sick again, which is, we're just. We, like I was telling you before, we closed all backstage. We're all masked up out there. We're really, we want to stay out here and work. We want to entertain. We want people to come to shows. And so mm -hmm. we're really trying to do all we can to keep it going, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I never, if you'd have told me 20 years ago that you'd still be doing this in 51, I would probably like when, eh, I don't know if I'm doing this level. I, I might be doing something in the business. But so I feel very, you know, uh, uh, I always tell people stay humble because you never know. What tomorrow's going to bring? Yeah. Calls me tonight and says, "Hey, man, it's been a good run. We're done. I can't cry about it. I got to move on to the next thing. I got to do, you know, or whatever." But um, um, never change. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is never change who you are as a person. You know, I've seen people come out to New York or a big city or Hollywood or something, and uh, and full blown like they're super cool to you, and then you see them a year later, like, "Hey, what's up, man?" And they kind of, yeah. you, and you're like, whoa, 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 you're not that, oh, Hollywood got you. Oh, no, they, they did it. They got you. Don't change. It's it's a bunch of crap. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's, I agree. I agree with that. You know, it's the most important thing is who you are. It's really all you have at the end of the day, because like you just said, changes happen, career change happens. And as long as you keep your integrity and yep. you keep your, um, you know, the core of who you are and what you're about. Be true to yourself. I think that's that's what gets you to the next thing. So, yeah. um, so I know I have full faith that whatever happens in your future, um, you'll keep going and you'll be successful. And so, um, so we should look for you out on the road. You guys have six more weeks, right, of tour. Yeah, you can go to cornofficial.com and all the dates are on there. And um, um, yeah, we're we're having a blast. Like it's, we sold out Tampa the other day, 14,000, just to see 14,000 people gathering like that with the smiles on their faces, rocking out. And like, we have an amazing new light show. We have these new, we're the only band right now on the road. We just found out that has these new lights. They're kind of like these laser park hand things that they do. I mean, the technology is getting so nutty now. Like they're, yes. they, they do all these weird projections and flutters and I, I saw a YouTube thing the other day of us and I'm like, whoa, because I'm, you know, I got the best seat in the house of the crowd and, and our, my band being dead center and up on a riser. But I never saw the show yet from the front. I was just like, OK, this is some next level light stuff, which is cool. So that's exciting. I love when we always bring in new stuff or introducing new stuff to our, our show. Um, but um, yeah, but we we're out till Louder Than Life Festival in Louisville, Kentucky right now is our last show on September 23rd. So. 
if uh, check out the the cities near you guys and come come out and see it's a really fun show. Um, Stained is supporting right now and they're really great. They have so many hit songs. Wow, I keep forgetting yeah. songs they have. Every time they bust into one, I'm like, oh yeah, this. Oh that that's yeah, that song. Wait a minute, yeah, that's and, right. Uh, 68. They're fun. There's these two guys that get together and play, and then Fire from the Gods is coming out on the second half of the tour. So um, it's great. We also have Corn Coffee. I want to plug that real quick. Um, yes. We got together with our buddy Jeremy Gersey, partner with us. He used to be Tom Cruise's personal barista for over a decade, and he was Cameron Diaz's assistant uh, on on the sets. So, yeah, that's how good he is. You know, you, how do you get that gig? Making smoothies and coffees for movie stars. You know, right. And so we partnered with him. We have uh, it's on cornwebstore.com. Um, you can get that. We have dark roast, and we have a new roast called Wired after our record, The Nothing. The mm -hmm. dude that's in wires, um, and it's it's really good. It's not like, you know, we're so used to the Starbucks like the kind of bitter strongness. This is like a smooth strong that's like very artistically crafted. You know, this guy is mm -hmm. really like a mad scientist about the coffee beans. He's like, well, we do this when we blend this with this, and and I'm like, dude, you're blowing my mind right now. So it took yeah. us many, many months. That we, we kept flying to Vegas and back to make the, the best formula we could, but we come up with it. So check that out when you guys can. Absolutely. I'll put a link to that in the description too, cool. Cool. for sure. And I can't wait to see you. Hopefully I'll see you when you come through Boston. And you you're, know. Very, you're very invited and I hope you come to the show. Absolutely. And, um, and you know, I'll be following along as I always do on social media. I'll also link your social media so everyone can follow along with you as well. Thank you. Um, and wishing you guys the best out on the rest of this tour and, uh, and into the future. Can't wait to see what's ahead for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great, really great talking with you. Absolutely. You too, Ray. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.